if you are starting a business or if you are growing a business, you really need to think about what activities are going to help you achieve your goals. There are so many people out there who want your time or have advice for you. And if you follow all of those avenues or you meet with everyone or you shotgun your approach, you just never, you tread water. The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Bulwark's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm sitting here this afternoon at the Capitol Girls City Center with my guest, Elizabeth Gerbel, founder and chief executive officer of EAG Services, and also named as one of the 2009's most admired CEOs by the Houston Business Journal. Congratulations on that. Thanks so much. I'm so glad you invited me to be here, Paige. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to have you. And before we get too far into it, I wanted to ask everyone to support the show by just taking a few moments and leave me a review on iTunes. Elizabeth. Let's talk about how you started in the oil and gas industry. Well, that's a pretty interesting story. My father was in oil and gas. He worked for Conoco for 27 years. And as I was growing up, made sure I knew that I should not get into the oil and gas industry. (laughs) So as I was going through college and even graduate school, I was thinking more in terms of being in the high tech industry, moving to Austin, that sort of thing. But over time, I started a consulting firm with some guys from graduate school. Yeah, We ended up working for an upstream oil and gas company here in Houston. I really enjoyed it. I thought the business was fascinating. And so much to my father's dismay, (laughs) that's what I've been doing for the last 18 years. Wow, 18 years. Mm -hmm. Now, so is that the only job your dad had in the oil? Like, did he stay through... Conoco the entire his entire career no before that he was in some different engineering firms yeah but Conoco convinced him to join up when he got an offer from Saudi Aramco Uh and I just can't imagine my mom living in Saudi Arabia so I think he made the right choice (laughs) (laughs) probably so why was he so anti daughter getting into oil and gas well, the downturns, of course. Of course, of course. Um, so, you know, one of the big things was every few years it was, you know, the downturn is happening. We'll need to see what happens. Will I still have a job? Will there be layoffs? That sort of thing. So he never got laid off. He survived all of the downturns, but definitely he was right about the ups and downs of the oil and gas industry. So what led you to Austin? I went there for my MBA, but okay. I went to UT Austin in 99, which was at the peak of the dot com. And so it just seemed like that was the way to go. Yeah. But fortunately, or unfortunately, I graduated in 2001, which was the 
best of yeah. the dot com and also the best of a lot of the private equity investments into high tech. Oh, and yeah. so most of my class, unfortunately, had their offers rescinded, including oh, me. Wow. And so you had to figure out what you were going to do. And most people just went back to doing what they did before graduate school, which is terribly disappointing yeah. after you've spent that much time and money. But having a job is critical, especially if you have student loans. I was fortunate enough that my dad was willing to help me. And so I was able to start this business with a a few guys from business school. That company was called McKinley Powell. Like I said, we ended up doing software selections and software implementations for the upstream oil and gas industry. And when my last partner got married and his wife suggested that perhaps he get a real job, <laughs> um, I was free to start uh, EAG Services, which we've been in business now for 16 years. Congratulations on that. Thank and, you. And so tell me a little bit about EAG. We started as a traditional boutique consulting firm. We are agnostic from a software perspective, so that's a little bit different. A lot of software consulting companies have practices where they specialize in Oracle or SAP or right. whatever. But we work more with the small to mid-tier upstream oil and gas companies okay. and now midstream. And so they use a lot of different software applications. And so what we've become skilled at is working with all of those applications, helping companies figure out which is the best suited for them through software evaluation. We do a lot of data integration where we help companies where they've acquired assets to migrate those assets into their existing suite of systems. Or if there's been a change due to that acquisition, help them figure out what they need to purchase from a software perspective and add into their application footprint. Interesting. Okay. So throughout the 16 years of EAG existing, what are some of the things you've had to go through that maybe was a tribulation or a trial or a really, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, we were doing some decent growth when the first downturn hit. So <laughs> maybe you should have listened to my dad a little bit closer about that. And so what ended up happening was that was my first experience understanding the criticality of cash because we're not backed by any private equity. Right. Um, our only financing beyond the cash flow of the business is a line of credit. And so that's when I really learned, hey, you better save for a rainy day. Yeah. And while growth costs money, you have to balance that with not knowing right. the unknowns of the future. And so we made it through that. I also learned that my accountant didn't know how to handle the downturn and had done some crazy accounting. So it took us some time to unwind that oh my. situation. And then we went into the next downturn in a better position. It's still disappointing when the industry, you know, drops yeah. and opportunities decrease, but at least we were prepared this time for that experience. Right. Also, how is it being a woman in the industry? I mean, you've been in with EAG for 16 years. You founded it. But as a CEO, a woman CEO mm -hmm. in the industry. Yeah, so it's interesting. I consider me to be a woman in the trifecta of male domination is yeah. kind of what I call it because consulting tends to be more male oriented, IT for sure, and then also oil and gas. So, and we hit on all three of those parts. Would you just go, hey, I'm here, guys? 
basically. (laughs) And so I've really only experienced a few situations where I was told that they would prefer someone else, normally a male, older male employee, to present the assessment results or the recommendations that were made, usually created by me. But for the most part, I've not experienced any discrimination you know, had to prove myself, but we have a great reputation and now, you know, have a lot of fans in the industry and people who speak very highly of us and me. And then also a lot of these, you know, CEOs and COOs of the industry are asking if we can, if they can send their daughters in to meet with us oh, or that's if we so have cool. internship opportunities and things like that. So, I mean, guys, these guys really want their daughters to be successful. And so they're very supportive of all of us and Good. just appreciate the work that we do. Awesome. Awesome. So if you had a piece of advice to give our audience, what would it be? Really, if you are starting a business or if you are growing a business, you really need to think about what activities are going to help you achieve your goals. There are so many people out there who want your time or have advice for you. And if you follow all of those avenues or you meet with everyone or you shotgun your approach, you just never, you tread water. So my best advice is really to focus on what you want to achieve. Be reasonable yeah, in the time right. frame of making that happen. Not too reasonable, but whatever. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> But you really need to have focus because there's so many distractions and it makes it hard to be successful. Oh, absolutely. And especially when people want your time. Exactly. Because time is money. Yes. And people want to help you, but the time that they want you to spend with them can be taken away from from your business. What you're supposed to be focusing on. Exactly. And people, if you have employees, they're relying on you. So you have to take that into consideration as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Of course. What book influenced you the most and why? So a few years ago, we started really digging into our recruiting process. And one of our VPs brought me this book called The Ideal Team Player. I think it's by Patrick Linciani. I'm probably butchering his name. But anyway, it's the ideal team player. And it really speaks to what makes the best team members for your organization. And that seems like a pretty simple concept. But we had built out this recruiting process where we were testing people to see, you know, how smart they were and whether they fit certain personality profiles and whether they had experience, but we still had some misses on the recruiting side. Mm -hmm. And what it really came down to was whether or not folks met this ideal team player model. And so what he recommends is looking for folks who are hungry, yet humble, but also people smart. And so that combination is hard to find, but we've incorporated it throughout our recruiting process. And that's really helped us develop a team where everybody likes to work with each other and they help each other out. Nobody sees somebody as a them being in that particular position, preventing them from getting promoted. Right. So really at the end of the day, you know, on Fridays, especially I see everybody hanging out and chatting and talking and I'm like, okay, this really worked 
for us. Good. When you say people smart, do you mean more on the a level of emotional intelligence? That's right. Okay. So, you know, a lot of people are intellectually smart, but we're in consulting. And so, and we're dealing with projects that have tight timelines and tight budgets and a lot of stress for yeah. our clients and for our team members. And so to be able to react appropriately and deal with people in a positive way yeah. is critical. Well, especially, I mean, you know, I've worked for a couple operators myself, so I've seen acquisition after acquisition come in and I've seen the data that's come in and, you know, old legacy systems and then, you know, this, that, and the other. So I can understand how how that could be incredibly stressful. Exactly. Yeah, it's stressful and people are on edge and sometimes it's the first and only time they'll be in this situation. Right. And so our team has to maintain a sense of humor about it because we go in one after the other. And also we're growing. And so having somebody who's focused on me instead of the collective doesn't work out in the long run. Yeah. Small business mentality, big picture idea. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Gotcha. What's your most used business tool? So I think it was in 2017 that we sat down and we were really, it was part, you know, we were coming out of the downturn, the latest and greatest yeah. downturn of the upstream industry. And what we really didn't have a handle on was our forecasting. And so with consulting, I mean, it's a pretty straightforward business. Right. You bill an hour you earn a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> you don't bill the hour, you don't, don't earn the dollar. Exactly. So what we did was we laid out some forecasting tools that allowed us to show not only where we were going to end up with the month. So I could see at the end of October, you know, what November was likely to look like. And then every week I could see an incremental adjustment to November. That let us say, okay, Things are not looking great. Here are the levers that we can pull to take corrective action. But also, if, let's say, November didn't turn out the way we expected, we would also have to be cognizant of the fact that that was going to affect cash flow in January. Right. So these tools that we created really help guide us. And since we put that into place, we've seen our EBITDA go up significantly. We've seen utilization go up. Like everyone has been educated on how we make money. Now, while the executives are the only people who are looking at that, we're talking about those lovers all the time and people know what they can do in order to help us out in a slow month or, you know, if we have a great month, you know, we can really celebrate that. Good. Good deal. Who would you say is your most respected competitor? So, I mean, we work in an industry with a lot of talented folks. I think what's really different for us is that we've been able to pull in different services that different companies, our competitors, they do pieces of. So maybe we'll hear from a company like a CPA firm that does an amazing job at accounting outsourcing. And then another firm that does an amazing job at help desk services. Mm-hmm. But what we're able to do is provide the consulting services, the executive advisory services, the accounting outsourcing, the IT outsourcing. So we bring it all together and become the one throat to choke for our, I know, for our customers. And so they like that too, because if something goes awry, they can just text me or call my cell phone and I'm on the phone with them to figure out what's 
deviating from what they expected and how do we get online? And sometimes it's not just fixing the piece that they're aware of, directly aware of. It could be something where multiple teams, but they're all our teams, need to make adjustments in order to make the fix. So instead of having finger pointing between groups, we're able to collectively work to resolve whatever the issue is. Yeah, because then that just causes issues in the office place and Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you have throats to choke. Exactly. And so, <laughs> so like today I was in a meeting with a client and we were talking about three completely disparate areas where he had concerns and I could address all three of those and we're making corrections there. Good. Yeah. Good. Awesome. What is your most important lesson learned? The biggest lesson I've learned is that when you own your own business and when you are responsible for employees and your customers' success, excuses are really irrelevant. So I can spend my time coming up with reasons why we didn't do what we said we were going to do or a reason for not meeting expectations, or I can put all that energy and time into correcting and getting it right. And so our clients, actually prospects, sales prospects that we talked to have just said straight out, hey, we hear that you make things right. And that's important to us. And so that is... That's pretty incredible to be known for. Yeah. So they know that and they count on that because they're convincing their bosses to do something that's hard, risky, and costly. Yeah. And so they need that sense of security that, you know, if we say we're going to do it, we're going to get it done. Yeah. And that's how it should be across the board, period. Yeah, exactly. And our team knows that as well. And they all work together to get it it done right. Awesome. That's great. So I'm going to throw you a curveball. I didn't didn't put it on that paper. That's fine. How is your role now important to the future of the oil and gas industry? I think it's really important because we're so embedded now with oil and gas companies and understanding what they're going through. We've touched so many of their assets that really the lunch that I just came from was about, hey, okay, now we've you're a startup. We've implemented all of your systems. You'll be completely live by the end of the year. With I think we implemented over 30 software applications and over 40 oh, integration points between gosh. those. I'm like, so now you have the basic platform, and we did all of that in four months. Now let's get that done past that and get into how do we take costs out of your operating model and how do we leverage technology to make that happen. And that's really what I think the industry is all about right now, because in the past, you you know, as an oil and gas company, what investors were looking for was whether you could buy the right acreage or, you know, what is what was your asset base? And then you tried to sell it to someone else, yeah. make you know, your profit off of that. And that's how your investors paid off, got paid off. And so to me, that's more of a flip model. Now people are looking at oil and gas more as a manufacturing business and they want to see profit and they want to see cash flow. They don't care that you've bought great assets. They want to know that you're going to make money off of those assets. So it's a little bit like the dot-com burst that I saw back when I was in graduate school. Now we've seen the bubble burst with oil and gas back in 2014 when prices went from $150 to under $30. Now we've balanced back out, but the business model has changed in that banks, so 
debt holders and investors are all looking for the same thing. They're looking for a solid business model that results in profit off of operations and cash flow. And so that's really where I think all of the 16 years that EAG has been in business and all the collective knowledge that we've gained can come into play to help companies really achieve that goal of reducing costs so that they can have the highest level of profitability and cash flow possible. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. I didn't actually realize it until you just said that compares so much to the dot-com. It does. And it's funny because people think of oil and gas as this fuddy duddy (laughs) industry, (laughs) but it aligns really well with the housing market and it aligns really well with the dot-com from the 1990s because i went through the the bus i I went through the bus with the housing Mm -hmm. stuff i was a loan processor then so yeah yeah, it's yeah yeah it all correlates yeah Mm -hmm. excellent yeah so everything we're seeing right now lines up with those historical examples yeah yeah What's your favorite podcast? You know what? This is my first podcast to do, and I have not listened to podcasts. So I'm still, I read on my Kindle. I read on my phone, actually. but And so I don't read paper books anymore, but I haven't moved on to audibles or podcasts. But just yesterday, we were at happy hour, and the team found out that I haven't done podcasts. So I have been thrown a series of podcasts. <laughs> I don't think any of them fit the format of this one. One is Serial, which is about yeah. serial killers. Exactly. And a couple of funny ones came up. So I'll have to test it out. Yeah. 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 It's pretty fun. I never thought I'd be doing this either. I just thought I'd be listening to them. Yeah. Which it seems like what I'm hearing is that as parents are driving their kids all over the state to various sporting events, this podcasts are a great way to spend time and learn some new things yeah, it's or way, have fun. Right. Exactly. It's way better than listening to kids' music. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that why they have the video stuff in the back seat? Exactly. <laughs> With headphones, the whole bit. I know. We had to like, well, we didn't have to wear seatbelts. So I know, right? Yeah, we exactly. We had tents and stuff in the yeah, back. Seat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> or you'd be laying across the back window, or oh, exactly. whatever, or rolling around, whatever. Yeah, yeah. you know, doing kid <laughs> stuff. The seventies, safety first. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again for joining me today, Elizabeth. If people want to reach out to you and or get to know more about EAG services, how can they go about doing that? Yeah, so you can email us info at eagservices.com. Go okay. to the website. There's plenty of opportunities to request information or just call the main number, 832-485-5800. And of course, we'll put links in the show notes for everyone. Also, you're on LinkedIn, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I'll put that out there too. And we have some fun pictures that come out periodically. So please follow us. Now I'm interested. I know. <laughs> I'm like, what All kind of funny are PG rated. Okay. But, um, okay. Definitely you can see that there's a lot of fun going on at the company. Good, good, good to hear. All right. That concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Now here's events on deck. Hey everyone, Alex here with the events on deck for November. First of all, we had our best turnout ever for our latest happy hour in Houston with our panel discussion. So thanks to everyone who attended and we hope to keep offering you guys value in the future. Be sure to listen here for any future happy hours. The events on deck for November include OGGN's second Denver happy hour on November 6th from 4 to 6 p.m. The cost of attendance is $20, a portion of which goes to local charities Safe House Denver and Oilfield Helping Hands. 
On November 12th at Minute Maid Stadium, IBM's Oil Field of Dreams, Data, Digitization, and Disruption. This event is free for all OGGN subscribers. OGGN's Mark LaCour will be doing a live podcast with ExxonMobil and his 2020 oil and gas predictions. On November 12th through 14th is Procurement Week in Sydney, Australia. Our travel partner, BCD Travel, will be sponsoring Day 2 of Procurement Week in Sydney. Day 2 has content focused on the construction, mining, and energy sectors, as well as an indirect procurement leaders forum which encompasses travel. Industry leaders will be discussing value-driven procurement approaches, evolving technologies, and the changing landscape. And drinks are on BCD at the end of the day. The Houston Chapter API Energy Petroleum Club will be meeting on November 12th in Houston. Speaker Shane McElroy will be talking about the sustainability of electric fracturing. We have another free event on deck this month for our subscribers. The Top Coder Innovation Summit will be taking place on November 14th in Houston, Texas. This event is the premier innovation event for industry leaders. You'll have the opportunity to attend panels on innovation and emerging technologies and meet with the YPRO and Topcoder executive teams. Lastly, the Algeria Oil and Gas Summit is happening on November 19th through 21st this year. ALNAFT will be sharing onshore and offshore updates for Africa's leading gas producer and opportunities for independent oil and gas companies. And don't forget, if you guys would like to receive these events each month via email, click Get Mark's Monthly Events email link in the show notes of any OGGN podcast. Hope you guys have a great month. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Bulwark's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.